Today was a super exciting day. We got to talk to Burton Cummings about the two shows that he's doing at the Burton Cummings Theatre in December, and what a great conversation. We also spoke with ET Canada's Sangeeta Patel, who got to have a one-on-one chat with one of the biggest stars on planet Earth, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. We talked today about how Misery Loves Company, apparently downtown Edmonton, also struggling with a lot of the same things we are. And we talked about broken sidewalks that are leading to falls, bloody falls. And it's taken the city way too long to deal with this stuff. And we had some fun asking you, what were the things that you believed or thought when you were a kid that turned out to be completely wrong? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Friday, October 21st podcast for The Start. Good morning. It's Friday. Thank you very much for joining us, Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And today, Mr. Mackling, we are going to be talking to and about... Some pretty big stars. Well, one of your favorites and definitely one of mine. I know you love The Rock. I, I like The Rock a lot as as well. We won't have The Rock on the program. Oh, wait. I thought that's where this was going. I was like, <laughs> how did I miss this in the rundown? Like, no. You guys said earlier this week, do you guys want to talk about The Rock? And I, yes. But I thought you were going to, we're talking to The Rock. I'm like, I'm not dressed for, for this. <laughs> We're going like, not to, that he can see me, but I would like to be dressed for that, you know? <laughs> yeah, I hear you loud and clear. Well, we're going to talk about The Rock, and we're going to visit with Burton Cummings. And I actually just texted my dad, who's on the road. He's on his way home from his epic road trip to eastern Canada. He's in Wisconsin this morning to let him know that Burton Cummings will be on the air with us at 9.35 today. And this is really... Guess Who and Burton Cummings' music is the soundtrack of the first 10 years of my life. Wow. And I'm just in the that wheelhouse in my early 50s, and there'll be lots of our listeners this morning who are in that same wheelhouse. And so looking forward to speaking to not only a Winnipeg icon, but a music icon. You know, Some people don't realize that Guess Who were one of the biggest bands on the planet for you know, a year or two and the legacy of their music continues. And we'll talk to Burton about that. We'll ask him about coming back to Winnipeg to celebrate his 75th birthday on New Year's Eve at, at the theater, which bears his name. How special is that? And then we'll uh, question his judgment with regard to uh, where he lives. Cause uh, he now lives in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. <laughs> And I don't know if you know the lyrics to uh, "Running Back to Saskatoon." They list off the different, uh, you know, the different places where the guests who have toured uh, over the years, right? Moose Jaw, Broadview, Mooseman, to Red Deer Terrace, Hannah, Medicine Hat. So is he like moving to Broadview next? Is my question. Is he working his way through the list? Yeah. Or just places that start with moose, because he listed moose jaw and mooseman, so maybe... Yeah, well, Saskatchewan, they're not very original there. Rough Riders, <laughs> Rough Riders, anyway. Oh, of course, and as we look at Global News Morning right now, the Sky Cam mm-hmm. is uh, showing the uh, the promenade, the Esplanade Riel, and it's, uh, it's bathed in green light. <laughs> Good timing! So Burton Cummings set to join us at 9.35, and we do have tickets to give away to see Burton Cummings, and uh, that's for the show on December 28th, Up Close and Unplugged. And a reminder that Rich and Julie have tickets for Burton Cummings, December 31st, the Burton's Birthday Bash. And then at 8.35, when it's, uh, as it pertains to The Rock, we are going to speak with ET Canada's Sangeeta Patel, who has uh, a special airing, Tonight, an in-depth interview, a half-hour special, one-on-one with Dwayne Johnson on uh, Global. And, um, yeah, The Rock, I mean, he's got a big movie out this weekend, Black Adam. So we'll tell you more about that at 7.35. Loren, have you heard these rumblings, Brett, that there's a movement to ask, maybe to draft Dwayne Johnson to run for president of the United States? Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that. Yeah, it's been around for a while, I think, right? Because he's fairly... Uh, socially conscious, active. He's a good speaker. I don't think, I think we've, I, I like him. I don't, what's well, not my country, but I'm a no to that. I can already see his campaign, his speeches. He, uh, he, he the, the Rock is the most electrifying president. 
in sports entertainment today. If I like met listening him, to him. He's hilarious, and he's like, and and he's good in kid movies and adult movies. Like I, I enjoy him immensely. He has uh, just he's got a sparkling personality. Yes, he's engaging. Sure. And if you told him that you were going to vote for him, there's no way you would go back on your word for pure <laughs> fear that he would find out. Did you know, Loren, that The Rock travel when he travels, he brings his own gym with him. What do you mean? Just like, a couple weights or like a full on? Like a full on gym. I don't know how he does it or how he transports said gym, but yeah, if he's going like, to, not like, not if he's, you know, making a pit stop somewhere, but if he's going to be posted up somewhere, he brings his own gym with him to make bah. sure. Because he's up at like three or four in the morning every day working out. He's probably listening right now. No, I'm sure he is. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's tuned in to CJOB. Uh, so we'll have that at 40,000 pounds of workout gear. Holy if smack. you're listening, Dwayne, what is the what are the reps we're doing here? Give us a lowdown so we can all start copying your routine because we're all so into that over here at three in the morning. He yeah. doesn't have a private jet. He has like a Hercules aircraft, like An one Antonov, of those. like yeah. the Russian one that opens from the mouth, like like the face of it, and that's just where all the rocks equipment goes. <laughs> so that's at eight thirty-five, and then at uh, at seven oh five, Loren, we're talking about. And you, I think it was you who sent us a picture uh, that someone sent us. Uh, uh, kind of, honestly, it made me laugh at just how pitiful it was. It, is, it pertains to uh, broken sidewalks. Well, I think there are many Winnipeggers who've had experiences with three one one, and lots of them go well, and then some of them don't. And it's not really about what happens at three one one; it's what happens after you let three one one know of a problem. So this is a story of a Winnipegger who, in August. We're talking well over two months ago, the middle of August, let 311 know that the slabs of sidewalk in front of his home were uneven. There was a heaving. And in one of the pictures, you know, it's it's left like a two to three inch edge of the sidewalk that someone could trip over. He just wanted to let them know could be a hazard. Month later, he gets home and there's a gentleman on the street that has been hurt, bleeding from the head after he tripped over the sidewalk. There's bloodstains still on that sidewalk to this day. Two months later... No one's come by to fix it. He made a first call in August. Someone got hurt in September. Called 311 again. No one's come by. All that's been placed on that sidewalk is a pylon to let people know that there's a hazard there. A little wee pylon. We've seen them all over the cities and we know there are issues. Potholes, holes in the road, all, all that. And they can sit there for months without repair. So we want to get a story and then your feedback. Because, you know, we all have to have reasonable expectations when it comes to how things are fixed in the city and how they respond to issues. But I think once we've crossed the line of someone actually being hurt, maybe we need to have a bit different priority system. So we'll get into that story just after seven. It is Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. If you're just tuning in, heads up, we are going to speak to Burton Cummings at 9.35 about the upcoming shows he's doing in Winnipeg. We have tickets to give away as well for the first of two shows, Up Close and Unplugged December 28th at the Burton Cummings Theatre. The second show December 31st, Burton's Birthday Bash. You can win tickets for that on the news with Rich and Julie. And then in our next segment, we are going to tell you how you can win yourself some tickets to see Brian Adams at Canada Life Centre on November 2nd. I think it's safe to say that uh, too often when we talk about issues plaguing our community, we tend to grab onto this idea that we're doing something wrong. Yeah, we might say, like, come on, Winnipeg or Manitoba, why? Right? Because we are often near the top of our class in all the wrong categories, like crime. We often dominate the headlines coast to coast or the downtown. And we spent a lot of time yesterday talking about ways to fix the, the downtown. And that had many of us here at CGOB and, and in our audience, Greg, asking, well, what's going on in other cities? Well, let's take Edmonton for an example. There are a lot of similarities between Winnipeg and Edmonton. It's buildings. I'm still waiting for us to build an 80-story building here. Yes, that's an, uh, that's, sure. a, that's an aside. <laughs> Landscape, climate, even it's downtown. Once full of office workers, it's now moving towards trying to attract more people downtown here is its da- downtown biz head panita mcbyron so that's created this conversation about what is downtown who is it for you know what is the best use of all all this space and all this really really high value land over the past 10 years um, and that's why we have a lot more residential developing which i know winnipeg has focused on as well and a really big thing for us in the last 
I guess almost exactly 10 years has been the development of our, our ice district downtown and our brand new Rogers Place Arena, uh, home of the Oilers. Uh, and that's been a huge change uh, for our downtown towards much more of that entertainment district um, with hospitality being really, really thriving in our downtown. So I think that all sounds really familiar to us here when it comes to at least those efforts to bring people to live downtown. Of course, we talk about True North Square often and the things that have gone up in and around that, the push to have more restaurants and entertainment and all the rest. But recently, Panita says her counterparts in Vancouver and Winnipeg, so Kate Finsky at the Downtown Biz, they all really got together to discuss what's going on on the bad side of things and they learned this it's still the number one thing that their entire business community is talking about all the time is crime and safety and homelessness and mental health and addiction like we're all having the same conversation and experiencing the really you know damaging and and heartbreaking effects of, of what's going on in our cities and i think it's true across north america as well um COVID really exacerbated this problem, I think, for all of us. Um, we, we're locked in, I think, a very similar public conversation as Winnipeg, where it's a conversation about policing and law enforcement versus healthcare uh, and, you know, mental health and addictions treatment and harm reduction and all these different terms. And, and what we're trying to do at the center of all this as the business community is trying to bring all those things together. It can't be one or the other. We know that police alone and the justice system alone cannot solve most of what we're dealing with because we're dealing with very serious healthcare issues most of the time. Um, and so it has to be investment from the province. And we just had a huge investment from the province. I think it was a $180 million announcement um, from the government of Alberta, particularly um, focused on Edmonton, to solve these issues um, from a healthcare standpoint and like a, a social services standpoint. And we're having that conversation at the city level about how policing needs to change its model, how we need to invest in policing differently, uh, and all that stuff. So does that make you feel better to know that other cities, other downtowns are struggling with crime, a rise in homelessness? Punita McBrien of Edmonton Biz, who was speaking with Jim Toth yesterday, said in a bizarre way, there's some relief. It's sort of a it's this weird feeling because on one hand, it's a little bit reassuring to know that we're not just like massively screwing it up here in Edmonton or, you know, there in Winnipeg, we're not doing something. That's what I'm taking from this conversation. A little bit of relief. I'm honestly like, okay, so there is other issues, other same issues, other places. No, I hear the same that we've had, you know, we've had our international downtown association conference. We're hearing the same thing out of Portland and Seattle and Washington, DC and all of these places um, that we imagine being these, you know, idyllic, you know, great urban centers, but they're dealing with the same massive societal shift. So am I happy about the fact that other centers are not addressing homelessness and addiction satisfactorily so that this isn't an epidemic across North America? No, that doesn't make me happy. Doesn't bring me solace or comfort. And when it comes to Winnipeg, I know there are lots of little things that we could be doing to try and make things better downtown that we aren't doing. So uh, can we learn lessons from elsewhere? Yes. Does it make me feel better that other places are struggling as well? Uh, Sorry, it, it, it doesn't. Question of the day at cjob.com for Mr. Furness. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furness, 204-832-6243. We asked this question yesterday morning. You can still ask it. We'll change this question soon. But right now at cjob.com, setting safety aside, what do you think would help downtown Winnipeg the most? You can weigh in at cjob.com. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb want to go see Brian Adams, Canada Life Centre, November 2nd. Here's the topic for today. The question is, is there something you believed when you were a kid that wasn't true, turned out to be wrong? Our friends down the hall at Power 97 talked about this earlier this week. Vicky Shea, for example, thought that people were saying windshield instead of wind chill. Nick thought glove compartment was glove <laughs> apartment. <laughs> Jay thought if you turn the interior lights on in the car while dad was driving, disaster would happen. Oh, yeah. I thought it was illegal. Yeah. <laughs> I still here. think it's illegal. Yeah. yeah. My kid just the other day said something about it he couldn't see. And I was like, well, turn the light on. He's like, no, no, we can't. Right. We probably can't. And I was like, obviously, somewhere along the way, I've told them never to turn the light on at dark while I'm driving. 
<laughs> Maybe it is. I don't know. <laughs> I, I've never gotten a good explanation as to why not. Like may, the maybe reflection. there's a really good reason. Yeah, that's maybe. Yeah, I don't know. That really is it that bad? I don't. I'm not sure. Maybe try it. it. No, don't. Maybe it distracts you from the. Maybe it, it overwhelms you with light inside the car, and then yes. you can't see outside. Yeah, there's got to be some reason for it. Two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. Things you believed when you were a kid. That turned out to be wrong. Let's go around the horn here. Pointers, start with you. Well, I thought that the Red River was called the Red River because they used the mud at the bottom to make red paint. And I I thank my Uncle Mark for that one. Thanks, thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. (laughs) That's great. Uh, Forte, what about you? Oh, there's so many of these. This one's a classic, though, and I think so many kids believe this. That uh, the teachers live at the school. Like, it was a prison. <laughs> yeah. It was a prison, and if you saw them outside the school, you'd be like, what are you doing out here? Like, get back in there. Go. It's like they're not human. They're just ro- teaching robots. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Greg, what about you? Uh, my friend, uh, one of my best friends on the planet, lives in Denver now. His initials are Rick Bolin. Told me once upon a time in front of, I think it was three or four uh, attractive women who we were trying to impress, that the sand from Grand Beach is so grand that they actually export it to Hawaii. Because the in Hawaii, a lot of the beaches are black volcanic rock, and the tourists don't really like that very much. So for the white sand, they uh, put sand from Manitoba on a train to Vancouver, and then they put it on a (laughs) ship to Hawaii and then transport it to a beach. And he sold it so well, I believed it for a little while. I knew it was a lie, but I believed it for a little while to the point where I said, that's not true, is it, Rick? How old were you? 22. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) even as an adult... Macklin God hoodwinked. Uh, Loretta, uh, you know what? Let's go to Sarah because she got to do the news next. Sarah McCarthy sure. for Jeff. Yeah, I think anyone who's had Barbie dolls, any dolls, maybe some action figures growing up, I imagine has tried this at one point or another. But when I was a kid, I believed if I gave my dolls a haircut, it would just grow back. Because why wouldn't it? I think I realized maybe after two, it wasn't going to happen. So a couple bald Barbie dolls at my house still, I'm like sure. full on shaved. One was shaved. One was just like a bob cut. But yeah, it didn't come back. Okay. Clearly. <laughs> so you had a Sinead O'Connor Barbie then. Yes. Much. Yep. I'll, okay. s- I'll sell her. There you go. <laughs> Loren, what about you? Well, you've all probably heard this from your parents, and I just last night, it's so funny we're talking about this, said this to my youngest, we were hanging out, and he did that thing where you flip your eyelid up, you know, and it sticks like that. that's so gross. And he goes, hey, check this out. I'm like, don't do that. (laughs) Why? It'll stay like that. And then I was like, that's not, that can't be true, but you don't know. But the one that I still struggle with to this day, that I, I understand now the science behind it, but when I was a kid, is, you know, you're chewing gum, and someone at some point said, don't swallow your gum. Your stomach can't digest it. And so, like, not understanding the concept of digesting, I, for a very long time, just assumed there was, like, this giant ball of gum stuck in my stomach, like, six by six inches wide from all the gum I had swallowed. It just it was sitting in there like a knot and not realizing until later. It just, yeah, you can't digest your gum, but it doesn't mean it doesn't eventually come out of you. But there was a long time where I wouldn't even consider swallowing my gum because I thought it would just be, like, a rock of, rock of hubba-bubba. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Aaliyah texting us at 204-780-6868. And I thought the same thing, Loren. I was told, like, don't swallow your gum. And I was like, well, why? You'll never digest it. Um, Aaliyah says, when I was a kid, I thought that an encyclopedia and computer worked by physically inserting objects into the computer to learn about them. For example, I wanted to learn all about bees. So therefore, I'd have to take an actual bee and put it inside the computer in the tower. Clearly, my logic was flawed. I'm curious to know, did you actually do this, Aaliyah? Like, did you capture a bee and shove it in the computer? Because good for you for being brave enough, I guess, to do that. Um, I hope she didn't want to learn about apples or anything like that. Should we? Sorry, go ahead. No, no, you're right. I was going to say, do we want to reopen this cats and dogs thing? Dave uh, says, uh, I grew up, I believe that uh, cats were girl dogs. Really? That's what Dave says. Well, I used to think that's. Dogs were male and cats were female. Really? I, well, just because, well, I grew up with a male dog, and then I think my friend had a female cat, and it was just like, oh, you know, like, dogs are 
you know, more of a, I don't know, man, oh. man, and then cats were, you know, more prissy and like, like a girl. That's interesting. Boy. Another listener is saying when we used to go to Grand Forks, we always passed the sugar beet plant. It is all puffing out the white steam. And this listener says, I had my kids convinced for <laughs> my wife. That's amazing. Yeah, my wife did not approve. <laughs> Lying to children is one of the great joys of life. <laughs> Except for that you forget you've said things or in reverse. I remember my dad used to always just say, like, given, he always had an answer. And then you got to the point in life where you, you realize, are all the things he told me even real? You know, because it would just be so quick. This is the reason why. This is the reason why. This is the reason why. And then later you're like, I don't think any of, I don't know if any of that was how much true can, at all. Yeah, how much can you actually believe? The best Jack Handy is the one where he talks about taking his uh, nephew to Disneyland. Let's go to Disneyland today. And instead he took him past a, a burnt out warehouse and goes, oh, I guess didn't Disneyland burnt down. <laughs> Wow! <laughs> 204-780-6868. Things you believed when you were a kid that turned out to be wrong. For a chance to win Brian Adams tickets, we'll pick a winner at 9.15. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. In a moment, we are going to talk about... Uh, it's really, it's pathetic. The situation regarding sidewalk repairs in our city. But before that, reminder... We're giving away tickets for Brian Adams, Canada Life Center, November 2nd. We're asking about the things that you thought were real when you were a kid or thought were true that turned out to be wrong. And, Loren, an interesting one regarding our very industry. I used to think that bands were actually playing in radio stations when they played their music, says <laughs> this listener. I never could imagine the lineup of people waiting to play their songs. I think I think that that could be our call, friend and colleague from Peggy at 99.1, Frank Andrews, because both of our, our friends down the hall at Power talked about this. Our friends at Peggy talked about this. So, so we're like, this is a fun topic. Let's let's steal it. Well, I remember when you used to go on the weekend wake up show yeah. with who was it uh, with with uh, Chris, Chris Reed, Chris Reed back in the day. Yeah. And I was convinced he was waking you up at seven o'clock on a Saturday morning to talk about the movies but you guys had actually recorded that the day before, hadn't you? Yep. You did a very good job of pretending as though you had been awakened <laughs> and that you were perturbed by the situation. He yeah. wasn't pretending the perturbedness. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Hulk is always angry. I'm always perturbed. So 204-780-6868, the things you thought were true when you were a kid that turned out to be wrong. We'll pick a winner at 9.15. And a reminder, we have Burton Cummings tickets to give away just after 8.50. And then we're going to speak to Burton Cummings at 9.35. Now, this next story starts off simply enough. Resident of Waverly Heights notices some issues with the sidewalk and his street, contacts 311, and waits to see if someone will come by and repair it. Yeah, that exchange with 311 was made back in August. I've seen the exchange, and in it, John Waldman explains there's heaving on the sidewalk. He's worried someone could be hurt. 311 says they've received his report. That's August 14th. Nothing happens. Five weeks later, September 22nd, John gets home and sees a man appearing to be bleeding from the head on the sidewalk. Residents report he had tripped on the sidewalk and hurt himself. So John again contacts 311. Their response was to send someone out and put a pylon on the sidewalk. That's it. So this week, more than two months after he first contacted the city, John reached out to us. Good morning, John. Do we have John there? Yes. Good morning. Oh, good morning, John. Let's describe this heaving first of all. What does it look like that caused you concern? So when I got home uh, from work that day, I saw a gentleman uh, that was face down on the ground he had been um he was being attended to by a couple of individuals who either saw him fall or saw the aftermath and he was bleeding profusely unfortunately um there was a decent sized pool of blood and i and on my on my sidewalk there were, were three people who were trying to help him even just get to his feet and we were they thankfully everybody was able to get to him we were able to Help clean him up, um, and called obviously called nine one one to get a uh, an ambulance to come down and to check him out. Um, but yeah, it was something that happened too long after I had made my initial report that there was uneven pavers on the sidewalk, um, large enough that someone could potentially trip it. Indeed, someone did. 
This is, this is an interesting uh, solution to put the pylon there, the orange pylon. Is that pylon still there, John, or has somebody helped themselves to it? Is it helping? No, it's still there. Um, and as an overnight solution, I absolutely agree that, the, you know, the city did a very quick and easy thing to do um, and the right thing to do. Uh, but for it to be sitting here now, you know, so many weeks later, and for it to not for there not to have been any progress, especially now as we're getting closer and closer to winter, it's it blows my mind that this is not, is still the case. I mean, yeah, it's visible, it's it gives people warning, but you're still it's still a hazard, and especially now as you're getting into the slippery season, it's just not acceptable. So we have sidewalk and road issues all over the city. Do you think it's reasonable that someone should have dealt with this by now? Absolutely. I mean, this isn't a case where you know this where something cosmetic and i had a previous issue with the city where the where their uh snow graders had uh had damaged my lawn um so i, I called that in and, and they gave me a, a longer uh wait time on that but the, comparing that to something that is a public hazard that can result in injury as unfortunately it did there's no question this is something that could have been dealt with a lot earlier so in the pictures, John, the sidewalk had heaved at some point in August. And, and what are we talking about in terms of the hazard? Is it a couple inches high where someone could trip over? Can you describe it a bit to us? Yeah, it was definitely a couple inches high. And for so, and I mean, there's there's all sorts of possibilities with it. Um, for those who aren't familiar with the neighborhood, Waverly Heights is a blend of young families and older individuals, um, either near or post-retirement. Uh, the, and between the two, you know, you you have the potential for a, for a toddler who's running around to trip on it. You have, an, uh, as was the case with what happened, for somebody to either trip themselves or to catch their cane on it or something like that, or for any any number of issues. And it's something that is obviously deeply distur- um, disturbing. Have I you won't... talked to anyone? Sorry, Greg. At three one one, I know there's been text exchanges, but has there been a phone call or a conversation? I mean, and uh, at six weeks, eight weeks, ten weeks into this, you know, it's it's interesting that you asked that because I've had in in previous uh, areas where I've had to contact three one one, the wait times on phones have been um, extremely long, and I just find that doing DMs over Twitter is the fastest route to get a response. So, you know, it's, it's what I've become familiar with and it's what I use uh, continually. Well, we thank you for bringing this to our attention, John, and we appreciate the time this morning. Thank you. My pleasure. Stuff that you believed when you were a kid or thought was a thing and turned out to be wrong. Uh, text us for a chance to win those tickets. What does Stacy have to say? Stacy says, my dad had me convinced that a whole field of round bales covered in that white plastic was a marshmallow farm. <laughs> <laughs> I love this one because as a kid, you could see that. You'd be like, yeah, it looks like a marshmallow farm. <laughs> That is great. And what does Candace say? I always wonder where the marshmallows come from anyway. Does anybody know the answer to that? How do you get Just sugar mixed together or something? I don't know. Oh, clouds. Okay. They're made from clouds. From, the, from that uh, factory uh, between here and Grand Forks, sugar right? Sugar beet factory. Yeah. Uh, Candace says, we told my niece that her uncle was going to be put into the position of potentate, which is the head position of the Shriners. It's a pretty big deal. But instead of using the correct name, we told her... He was going to be the Grand Poobah. Speak, oh exalted Grand Poobah. <laughs> it's amazing, Barney. Must be that cokey hat he's wearing. That's a term that was used in the Flintstones cartoons. One of her friends told her afterwards that it really wasn't the right name and that she was, that she was using and she was referring to this old Flintstones cartoon. She was not happy with us. The funny thing is she was in... Her early 20s at the time. <laughs> so keep those coming for a chance to win. We'll pick a winner at 9.15. And in a moment, we are, and we do, I see we have her on the phone. We're going to check in on a really cool special happening tonight with ET Canada regarding one of the biggest stars on planet Earth. But some quick feedback here. Uh, we were talking about sidewalks and uh, how slow sometimes it takes the, the city to get to repairing them, Loren. Yeah, stemming from a listener who had a sidewalk heave back in August called 311. 
They said they got his reports. Five weeks later, a man falls, hurts himself, bleeds. They come by and put a pylon on there. Still no fixing to the sidewalk. And many of you are weighing in on your experiences with sidewalks and 311 with one of you saying, back in 2020, I reported three heaving sidewalks and nothing was ever done. He sent a photo and says, this may not look that bad, but the community mailbox is right there. And I can't tell you how many times I have to stop my granddaughter from tripping or have forgotten myself that there's a drop off and rolled my ankle. And again, it's just the sidewalk shifts, leaves that lip of two to three inches and people are getting hurt out there. And it sounds minor until you're the one that trips over it and hurts herself. And so this is a report going back two years now uh, with no change in the sidewalk in that area. So keep your feedback on that coming as well, 204-780-6868. Now, the man we're about to talk about, well, look, he is plain and simply one of the most recognized faces on the planet. Because tonight, in front of the thousands of Rocks fans here tonight, all chanting his name, and the millions and millions of the Rocks fans watching live, the Rock guarantees to prove to you that the Rock is the great one and the Rock is the most electrifying man in sports entertainment today. And in his new movie, he actually shoots electricity out of his hands. He has cultivated his popularity in the world of professional wrestling to become one of the highest paid actors on planet Earth. When both of your personas have the equal or same level of cachet, I would suggest you're doing something right. ET Canada host Sangeeta Patel sat down with Dwayne Johnson for an in-depth interview. It's a half-hour special one-on-one with Dwayne Johnson. It airs tonight at 6.30 on Global television. Sangeeta, good morning. Good morning. I love that intro on The Rock. It just explains how incredible this guy really is. Well, I saw the footage of The Rock entering the lease game the other night, and the man simply commands the largest rooms in North America. What is it like sitting down one-on-one with them? You know, it's, it's a good question because I've known him for, I guess, six years. I've done so many interviews with him and um, we bonded over fitness because he's been such an inspiration for me. So this was one of those moments I was so excited about the fact that we got to sit down for 25 minutes and it was just like friends. And he knows he, he's so good at remembering things. He knew he, he asked me about my Christmas tree, my family, like everything. And I think we're buddies. But to be able to sit down and have a real conversation and he's so open about everything. We talked about his dad. We talked about his kids. Uh, we talked about Zoa Energy. This guy's an empire. And to be able to just have some good laughs with him was a, an incredible moment for me in my career. It speaks to a bit about what you feel he's like, you know, on screen. Sangeeta, he seems like this yeah. super charismatic person. He's very relatable, yeah. despite the fact that he's more built and more fit than I will ever be in 19 <laughs> lifetimes. And yet you, you feel like you, you, you could sit down and have a beer with that guy. And so to hear from you that that sort of is the translation into the real world interview, whether that's part of his shtick or not, I think no, says something yeah. about that charisma. You know, one of the questions I asked him was at this particular time, what's his legacy? And right away, my reaction was that the fact that he makes everyone feel so special and seen, and that's a gift. And that really is his legacy. He has this ability to just connect with people and he doesn't take anything for granted. And again, he comes from humble beginnings and he doesn't, he always remembers that. That's why his company called Seven Bucks Production because he only had seven bucks when he came back to the U.S. after playing the CFL. And when he, I got a chance to meet his mom too, and I understand where that humble comes from and and he holds on to that and he doesn't take anything for granted talking to sangita patel from et canada one-on-one with dwayne johnson tonight at 6 30 on global television or you could the subtitle could be one-on-one with the great one but uh sangita you mentioned his time in the cfl he played with uh yeah. briefly with calgary he has yeah. some the, the strong connections and mixed feelings about canada did any of that come through in your chat with him he, he, he's so appreciative of what he had in Canada because, of course, he tried for the NFL, didn't make it, went to the CFL. Uh, I think he played six months when last he had no money, had to come back to the U.S. And here he is now with his company owning XFL. So, like, it's almost like he's a slap to everybody who didn't believe in him and that he's making this happen for other people who are in the same position as him. So, you know, it's, it's interesting that that's a really good question because he's taken what he had in the past and he's grown from it. So, uh, no, I think CSL was a big part of who he is now and he learned a great deal from that. Sangeeta, the, the rock, Dwayne Johnson, 
He's been very open about his struggles with his uh, own mental health and the things that he went through, the things he's overcome, the things that he battles. Mm -hmm. How how impactful do you think that is overall for someone with his charisma Mm -hmm. to admit, hey, I've dealt with this too? Yeah, it's so important because, again, he is an empire and to be able to do what he's doing. uh, And he has, you know what's what's so great about him? He has great people around him. Uh, They all believe in him and he believes in them. And that's the power of him growing from what he had. He talks about when he was 14 years old and being evicted from his house. And he goes back to Hawaii and actually goes to that apartment and sits there and watches the apartment and just kind of says, you know, I come from this and where I am now. And he takes those moments to realize that mentally he is doing so much better because of the people around him. And he has an, such an adorable family. His kids are so important. And that's the reason he doesn't want to become president is because he has these young kids and this is not the time. He's not giving it up. He's just not ready for it now because his kids are his priority. So I think he just found his foundation at this point. Sangeeta, before we let you go, um, when, you, when you talk about what the, the future, I mean, not just the president and those kinds of questions, but what yeah. does the future for him look like in terms of what he wants to do next for acting or wrestling or football or starting his own home gym? I don't know. We were just talking earlier today about the fact that, I, what was it, guys? He travels with his 40,000 pound gym. Gym. <laughs> Isn't it crazy? His iron paradise. Uh, you know, I asked him if he actually wants to win an Oscar. Uh, he does all these blockbusters. He He's killing it. But why not take on that serious uh, role? Because he used to be in Ballers, and I loved his character on Ballers. And I, I, I think that's his next goal in, in his career in acting is to be able to get that Oscar or do, do that speech on the Oscar stage. And I think that's part of his plan. But this guy doesn't stop. He keeps going. I even said start a fanny pack company because he was so popular for fanny packs. But it's it's incredible to see uh, how he doesn't, he, he, he believes in everything and he's willing to try everything. I mean, he has Terramana, he has now an energy drink, he has uh, Project Rock, he just keeps going. And he, that's why he's such an inspiration to so many people. Uh, and that's the power of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Sangita Patel, thank you very much for joining us. Looking forward, very much forward to this. And by the way, um, I don't usually get jealous about things, but when you said, I've talked to The Rock so many times, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm really well, can jealous. I, can I tell you one more thing? Uh, I've been asking him to work out with me for six years, and he always says, you're never ready for me. And <laughs> I, in this interview, he pinky swore me, guys. He pinky swore me that we are going to work out. What, what what would be so what, what would happen in this workout what goes down that you wouldn't be ready for it I, you know what i'm gonna make him do burpees because there's no way the amount he weighs there's no way he could do burpees so i'm gonna beat him that way so i'm gonna find things to do wow. and I'm gonna fail. wow that's a bold prediction sangita we're gonna keep this clip and we may even find a way to send it to, to The Rock because that sounds like a challenge. I wanted to just on that front, uh, Brett mentioned something and, and it triggered. Uh, we're going to have Burton Cummings on the show in right. uh, less than an hour this morning. Of course, hometown hero, uh, the music, yeah. the soundtrack to to my life, uh, you know, at least from zero to ten. Yeah. How, how do you how do you contain the the fandom with somebody like that? It's your job to to get the story out, but you have this this beyond connection with with somebody. Yeah, it's you know what one of my things I do and what I love is is I sit down with someone for an interview and I tell myself we're best friends for whatever that is four minutes five minutes and just listening to what they have to say and and you, it's just making them feel more comfortable rather than sitting down with them and doing an interview it's more like I'm doing a chat with you and being able to sit down with Dwayne or Tom Cruise and just having that connection has been really great for my career. It's, I'm just passionate about people and telling their stories. And Dwayne and I just, I think we're so goofy that we connect so easily. Um, you know, even during the interview, there's a laugh where I say something, but no one will find out what I say to him. And he cracks up. And that's the secret that I'm going to keep. <laughs> E.T. Canada host Sangeeta Patel, thank you very much. We appreciate this a lot. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the, the special. Half hour special one on one with Dwayne Johnson tonight at 6.30 on Global TV. You can watch as the blockbuster actor discusses fitness, family, and his highly anticipated debut in the DC Universe starring in 
Black Adam, which is out today. It's Friday, just after nine o'clock. What does that <coughs> segment mean? It welcomes, it signals, it is time to welcome to the airwaves the anchor of Global News Morning, seen Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. till 9 a.m. on Channel 101 on your Shaw cable backs. <laughs> cable backs. Channel 9, Chicken Cable backs. 12, CKND, Winnipeg, Gabrielle Marchand. Good morning, Gabby. Good morning, and happy Friday. We made it. Well, you made it. Your weekend has begun. Ours doesn't begin for another hour. So uh, congratulations for making it. Pull the Baileys out of the desk. Just kidding, Brent, if you're listening, I don't have any. Okay, so... We do a re- in your hand. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, like to use this time to recap some of the things we discussed through the week. And uh, one of the topics was your favorite Halloween costume from when you were a kid. What you got? Yeah, as a child, I really love dressing up for Halloween. I still love dressing up for Halloween. I don't think you're ever too old. But as a kid, we did not have a Disney store anywhere near us. And we went to one in Ottawa. And I picked up a Halloween costume, my favorite Disney princess, I'm not sure she was a princess, but she was the best by far, was Esmeralda from The Hunchback of Notre Dame. And I'm I'm saying this recognizing that obviously now, uh, in 2022, it would not be appropriate to dress up as Esmeralda, but I got an Esmeralda costume. I loved her so much. She was just so beautiful. And I used to wear this dress everywhere. So I decided I was going to wear it for Halloween, but I got it during the summer and then proceeded to wear that Disney princess costume everywhere at all times to the point where even one of my cousins was like... I just remember you wearing that Esmeralda costume all the time. And I think it stunk, too, because I didn't want to have it washed. So by the time Halloween came around, I was ripe. (laughs) I love it when kids are just dressed up in those costumes. I have two nieces who regularly I get photos of just a Tuesday out being Ariel from The Little Mermaid, you know, like shopping with like long fake wig going on. (laughs) And like, I love it. I'm, I think that's. I think we should all do that more. I well, wish we could store, do that as an adult. Those store bought costumes you can get now they last forever. So you know to have a tickle trunk to go back to the doctor, uh, doctor, Mister Dress Up days, and just have those costumes on hand is fantastic. I bet your your uh, your littles in your life do that. Yeah, they do. My niece went as. I'm so proud of her. She loves baby baby Yoda. Like, girl after my own heart. She went as baby Yoda last year, and this year, yeah, she's repeating that costume because it was just so good. <laughs> I also like the repeats. Like how many years where people did repeats, you know? I think it was a punk rocker for three years at least. Oh, yeah? I I think I wore my Mankind from WWE, my Mankind costume, probably three or four times. It won me a couple of – I finished third in a – Costume contest at a, at Euphoria Ooh. back in the day. I think I got myself a uh, hundred bucks for that. So I, I I did well in a couple of costume contests with that. And for, it won me, of course, my trip to WrestleMania. Wrestling for the listeners and for you guys too. I want to talk just really briefly about group costumes as adults. Ideal group costumes. I really want to be the Scooby gang. I just want to dress up as Scooby-Doo one year. We can do it, right? Right? I think so. I love group costumes. I like or partner costumes when people go with different things. I just think it's it really like ramps up the fun. We went to uh, for, for a Halloween wedding social once, and uh, my now wife, my brother, and my now sister-in-law, we went as the ghosts of the Winnipeg Jets. <laughs> and so we all wore Jets jerseys and stuff, and, and people got it right away because it was back in the, the early 2000s. So, uh, yeah, group costumes can work if, if they're creative. Sometimes they have to be obvious, sometimes not necessarily. I yeah. wanted a few years ago to be to do beer pong, but, like, tape the red solo cups <gasps> to my husband's shirt. And oh, then I that's would, smart. That's and brilliant. then I would just walk around with the ball Throwing and chuck it at him. Throwing stuff at this is marriage therapy and also Halloween. <laughs> he was not on board with it, but I was like, come on, it'll be great. Everybody will be throwing balls. He's like, yes, exactly. People will be chucking things at me all night. Talk about airing your grievances publicly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is great. There's a name joke in there somewhere. Super creative. Um, longstanding tr- group tradition. You got one? Yeah, you know what? I uh, you still go for a coffee with a few coworkers once a week, and uh, they work at a different station, but we're all still friends, and so we'll meet because the Skywalks 
Supporting Winnipeg downtown. Use the skywalks during the winter and you can still go to all kinds of local places. You can get some exercise. I see tons of people, downtown workers, using those skywalks to get exercise. And we do it to have coffee. And we'll meet once a week and we'll go for our coffee. And uh, it's just a half an hour break, but it's so nice to see them and uh, to get some caffeine, you know? For sure, for sure. And of course, uh, uh, I've... Well, Greg, you you join sometimes. Gabby, you join sometimes. I'm joining today. Yeah, yeah, Friday, you know it. Fridays at the King's Head. We're going to get Loren there one day eventually. I did come. Don't, you're just not remembering. Like two months ago. What? Man. I do remember this too. Actually, you were there. I, miss, I was devastated. I wasn't oh yeah, there. yes, that's right. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Greg wasn't there. I was. Uh, that's right. And in you fact, did come. I'm actually coming downtown today, but I have a <gasps> doctor's appointment after, and I'm not supposed to eat or drink anything beforehand. So. First of all, that rules a bogus. You so, think so? Oh, completely bogus. And I think it's way better if you drink wine because that would be a pure representative. Rest, representation of you know your more common state. Come on now. State, if you have Come on now. Wine yeah. before you go to the. And Lorraine, you can have some gravy too. Gravy and wine before your doctor's there appointment. You Do it right. No, it's supposed to be nothing. I got nothing. Nothing Bring going in there. Bring some cheesy, some chips and dip, and then we'll get an accurate picture of what's going on. <laughs> but yes, thank you for the reminder, Lorraine. I, I, I think I've just gotten so used to not seeing you that it's almost like I erased me from your life. Yeah. I'm not even. I'm like in your phone as L, and you're like, who's this L person who's texting me all the time? <laughs> uh, well, do, how, how do you have me listed? Is it Brent McGarry? McGarry. Mc- because I thought that, that was your name like eight years ago. <laughs> and now I'm not changing it. <laughs> Good for you. I like that. And before we let you go, Gabby, uh, we were talking about uh, the classes, the programs, the scholastic programs that just buried us in homework. And does anything jump to mind? Yeah, I was terrible at all the sciences. I kind of enjoyed biology, but I wasn't very good at it. Chemistry. And we had this substitute teacher who ended up teaching us for basically the whole semester. Mr. Dykstra, he came out of retirement, was from a small town in Saskatchewan, had an epic mustache that was like a walrus. He had a walrus mustache and he refused to call me Gabby. He would only call me Gabe to spite me. I'd be like, I need to go to the bathroom. He'd be like, okay, Gabe. And I was like, it's Gabby, Mr. Dykstra, or Gabby. Gabriel, anything but Gabe, right? I'm not a boy. I don't want to be called Gabe. But we had this kind of little like banter back and forth thing that would going would happen. Anyway, it was great. But I learned nothing in chemistry and I was terrible oh, at it. I was wondering <laughs> how your mark ended up. Uh, well, that's all the time we have. Gabrielle Marchand, the host of Global News Morning, weekdays 6 until 9 on Global Winnipeg. Gabby, always a pleasure. Thank you. Happy Friday. See you later. It's Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. By the way, question of the day at cjob.com for Mr. Furness. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furness, 204-832-6243. Is placing a safety cone in or beside, in or on a pothole, uneven sidewalk, or road, an acceptable warning or interim solution to such issues? Yes, for a few days. Yes, for a couple of months. A couple of weeks, pardon me. Yes, for a month or absolutely not. Cast your vote, cjob.com. Now we are giving away tickets for Brian Adams, Canada Life Centre, Wednesday, November 2nd. And we asked you uh, the things that you thought when you were a kid that turned out to be completely wrong. And uh, so many great things, lots of of stuff about gum, don't swallow your gum, don't sit too close to the TV, etc. Candice, Loren, one of our runners up here with, uh, I I think, a pretty nifty parenting trick. It's along the theme of the things that parents say to the kids that convinces them something different is going on. Candace says, I am one of four children. We grew up in the era when we'd all be roaming around in a giant station wagon, no seatbelts, fighting and yelling to get to the coveted seats at the back of the station wagon that faced the rear. Remember those? The ones that faced the back window? Those were awesome. Anyway, Candace says, usually there'd be another random kid brought along, a dog, a cat. Let's just say the car was chaos. My mom came up with an idea that probably gave my parents 10 minutes of quiet in their, the only 10 minutes of quiet in their entire week. (laughs) She told us that when we turned onto the gravel road that took us to the cottage, we'd have to duck down and be super quiet because there were people in the bushes shooting at the car. It took us a long time to realize that it was just the sound of stones hitting the undercarriage of the car. But honestly, to a seven-year-old, it really did sound like what a gunshot would sound like. Brilliant, <laughs> oh Mom. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and what's, uh, what's extra funny, I think, about Candace's story is she followed up saying, you know what, on reflection, maybe that story's not appropriate. But uh, I don't know. I thought we overruled right. you. We overruled no, you, Candace. That's classic, like 80s or something. The, the rear facing seat in the station wagon, 
the car packed because there was less rules then. And just the whole idea of mom being like, I just need 10 minutes of quiet. Get down or you'll be shot. And and for like, <laughs> depending on the gravel road, some gravel roads, like the, 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 there are times where I feel like my car is going to fall apart because of the gravel that's bump, that's bouncing up and wrecking my the undercarriage of my automobile. So yeah, that was apropos, Candace. And I just found another one here. Somebody, this is interesting. Somebody says, uh, when if you sneeze... Cough, burp, fart, and hiccup all yeah. at the same time. You'll die. Your head will explode. <laughs> it's quite possible. I don't know if that, I don't know if you can do all that. <laughs> just, like, is, any, is that even humanly possible? I don't want to know. Your head might actually explode if that happens. I think so. Uh, Cora, this one I just caught my attention. This one's for Loren. When I was a kid, I always wanted red hair. I didn't like turnips, so mom told me that I would get red hair if I ate turnips. So <laughs> I ate the turnips. Needless to stay, uh, needless to say, I'm still a brunette, but now I like turnips as an adult. <laughs> Thanks, Clara. This is our winner, and we actually don't know the name of this listener. But the, the listen, and thanks for all of your texts. It's always so hard to pick one. But this listener says, "Growing up with five siblings." It was always a struggle to get the baking utensils with the remaining cake batter. I remember even being cruel to younger siblings to win the converted chocolate-battered utensil. It wasn't until grade 7, home economics class, that payback was evident. The teacher called for volunteers to name the baking-slash-cooking utensils. My turn, I yell out, rubber liquor! Laughing classmates. I had never heard of spatula! Just thought it was, a, you know, like a rubber liquor. <laughs> what grade was this? Seven. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was a disaster uh, for probably two different reasons, right? In that class, half the class knew some sort of connotation. Mm. Uh, the other half of the class just probably thought it was ridiculous. And then she probably got saddled with that nickname. That probably would have turned into her nickname for five more years. Oh, you know, I bet you, you, do, you do one thing wrong uh-huh. when you're little, and that is your nickname forever. I bet you they're, they're probably, as an adult, some people probably, hey, rubber liquor, how's it going? <laughs> next guest is coming home to celebrate New Year's Eve and his 75th birthday. He is also playing the theater which bears his name December 28th from 152 Bannerman Avenue to stages all over the world. We welcome to the start Winnipeg's own Burton Cummings. Good morning, Burton. Good morning. Good morning. So, you know, I got to get the fan thing out of the way here. Just a Going to take a moment to thank you for your music. So many of us quite literally grew up with your music as a major part of the soundtrack of our lives. And I just really wanted to, to thank you for for just helping create and be a part of so many special memories in, in my life. Well, goodness gracious. I, I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones, you know. Not everybody has a career where they're on the radio for over 50 years. And not everybody is that lucky. And uh, I've, I've never taken it for granted, believe me. I'm, uh, I'm as grateful an entertainer as you will ever meet because I've never taken it for granted. Well, we're grateful for your time this morning, Burton. So let's start with the first three notes or first, first notes from, from three Guess Who songs here. Laughing. I should laugh. Albert Flasher. <laughs> You're two for two. <laughs> and the big one, the first big record, These Eyes. So what is it like to play just a couple of notes on the piano? Because you wouldn't have been alone in being able to recognize those songs based on just a couple of notes. What is it like to play those notes on the piano and get the reaction you do from a crowd, which screams, you know, which indicates we know what song's coming next? You know, decades ago, at the old Winnipeg Arena, the real guess who in those days, we opened for Jefferson Airplane one night. Mm -hmm. And I learned a lot that night by watching them. When they did the first two or three notes of White Rabbit, the whole place erupted, Mm -hmm. went crazy. And I 
I had never seen anything quite like that before, so instantaneous. And I realized that night, it, re- it really drove it home to me, the power, the power of a hit record. And I think that was a great learning experience for me. And uh, it happens when I do that piano riff in these eyes. It happens when uh, Randy does, or whoever, my band, where they play those, those first guitar riffs in American Woman. Um, no time um, when I do the piano intro to uh, Stand Tall or the, the, those few guitar notes at the beginning of Break It to Them Gently. It, it just, uh, you know what? I never get tired of that. I never, I have never gotten tired of that instant reaction, uh, recognizability of the songs. I don't know why you would. It would be such a great feeling in that moment. And, and also because it's something that comes from you. And when it comes to the piano, I'm curious, were lessons ever a part of life? Did you ever want to quit the piano? Like, tell us about the journey into that. Well, uh, my mother, you know, um, I, it had a lot to do with my mother uh, loving music so much. She would play her records for me. She had a collection of 78s. And before I ever went to kindergarten, I was hearing Bing Crosby and Perry Como and uh, Dinah Shore and her favorite singers. And I realized at a very, very early age, I realized the power of recordings. You know, they freeze time. I realized that uh, when I would play something by Guy Mitchell, you know, maybe singing the blues by Guy Mitchell, when the record finished... I could pick up the needle, put it back to the beginning, and hear the record again. And before I ever went to kindergarten, I was well aware that that records freeze time. It made me want to cut records at a very early age. We want to play some more audio here. We want to play three or pieces of three covers of one of the most iconic rock songs of all time, Billboard number one for three weeks in 1970, Billboard's number three song of that same year. And after this clip, Burton, we're going to ask you who did it best. So first, let's just press play. So again, cover versions, three cover versions, Crocus, Eric Church, Lenny Kravitz. Who did it best? You know, it's interesting what happened with the Lenny Kravitz version. Um, They wanted it for the ending credits of one of Mike Myers' movies. And they were just going to use it over the ending credits as they ran all the credits at the end of the movie. And when Lenny's company heard it, when his record company heard it, they thought, we may have something here. Let's release it uh, as a single. And, you know, Lenny writes all his own songs, but the irony here is that the biggest record of his career was American Woman. And there was a, there was a time on uh, Much Music when the uh, Guess Who had reunited and Lenny Kravitz was in town, and the two of us together, Lenny's band and the guess who, we did American Woman. And, and, and at the end, Lenny and I were trading vocal lines. It was, a, it was a pretty cool moment for me, I'll tell you. Wow, I did not know that. That's fascinating. And did you perform this song at the White House? Uh, no, we didn't. And that was our, our manager's stupid idea. <laughs> he, thought, he thought we would get great publicity by saying that we were asked not to play American woman. And the thing is, I think American woman was, was one of the reasons we were asked to play there because it was a Nixon administration mm-hmm. and Trisha, Trisha Nixon uh, really liked the guess who. And I think ironically, our manager thought it would be great publicity. Um, and so we never played it. And I mean, how ridiculous to be to be asked to play the White House and not play 
your number one single. It was just a, it was a, a bad management idea. What did you play then? Um, we Well, we played all the other, the big songs of the day that we had had. These okay. Eyes, Laughing, Undone, No Time. But... Um, that was quite an experience. It was it was uh, much different then than it would be now. There wasn't there wasn't all that much security when we went in to all they did was very quickly sweep the limos we were in, and we were in the front gates within about thirty seconds. Well, good grief! It would be a lot longer today for security reasons. I'm trying not to broach this subject, so I, I, so I'm just going to touch on the fact that you live in Saskatchewan now, and yes. I'm, I'm trying not to let my feelings about our neighbors to the west seep into my tone here, Burton. <laughs> uh, and that and that's mostly football related. I'm sure you can understand and appreciate that. I, I'm a diehard Blue Bomber fan. Uh, I know you were once upon a time the Jets honorary captain. I've, yes, got, yes. I've got your hockey card. I can't believe I can say that. I'll have to get you to sign it when you come in, in December. But running back to Saskatoon, such a great song. But Moose Jaw, Broadview, Mooseman, Red Deer Terrace, Hannah, Medicine Hat. Are you simply working your way through the list of places and that in that song? And are you moving to Broadview next? Well, the thing is that that song, um, I was uh, in New York City on my way to Paris on a holiday. And I was kind of homesick, and I was thinking about all the places that Guess Who had played when I first joined. It was the summer of 1966. I had just turned 18, and we spent that whole summer in a hotel in Regina. And every day we would drive out in our old highway bus to some small town and play that night. We were doing four one-hour shows a night. And when I was writing those lyrics, I was just thinking back to all the places we had played. And, you know, an interesting fact, um, when that was released back in the 70s, there was a guy in the Toronto Star who called it the first, the first officially Canadian rock and roll song because of all those places that were mentioned, you know, Moose Jaw and Mooseman and Red Deer, and, 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 and they were... They were not huge cities I was talking about. It wasn't like I was singing about Los Angeles mm-hmm. and Chicago and London. Those were smaller places in Canadian provinces. And this guy, this writer in the Toronto Star, called it the first real, authentic Canadian rock and roll song. So I'll, I'll, I'm still proud of that. I'll take that decades <laughs> later. <laughs> I just want to jump in on the Hannah thing because Hannah was famous for Lanny McDonald, but now it's famous for Nickelback. So it's one of the smallest places that people in Western Canada at least you know, know of. But here it is that, that maybe the, the next biggest rock band out of Canada is mentioned in your song. There, there's some sort of poetry in that, Burton. Well, I don't know. I mean, I just, it, it, it was so long ago, you know, my memories are a little bit vague about that, but I'm still very proud of that. And I'll tell you, when, when, whenever I play Saskatoon, you should hear the reaction. The minute they hear that, that uh, instrumental riff at the beginning, I've been hanging around gas stations. I, I can't get any further than that. And they're cheering already. It was, it was, it's really quite special. It also, in that song, you talk about working on cars and working on the soil. Did you actually, or is it more just about the people you talk to along your journeys through the prairies? Well, I mean, the prairies, you know, that, that played a, the prairies play a big part in the songwriting. Mm-hmm. I think um, uh, particularly Randy Backman and Kurt Winter and myself, I think we were very lucky to grow up in Winnipeg when we did. It was definitely the the pop music the, the pop music center of Canada. Back in the in the early to mid '60s, there was no place like Winnipeg in Canada. And uh, at one point, there were a hundred bands in Winnipeg, all working regularly, all playing every Friday, Saturday, and sometimes Sunday night, and. Um, we were right in the middle of all of that, and I think that enters into the 
into the songwriting. We were influenced by so many different kinds of music. And there were three major stations in Winnipeg all playing pop music, and they all had a weekly hit parade. So we were, we were uh, pretty well inundated by all genres and styles of music. And uh, I think had we not grown up in Winnipeg, I don't, I don't think that, that we would have had the same kind of success. We wouldn't have heard that much various music. Burton, we've got to leave it there. Hopefully we can do this again before your birthday. Thank you for the time this morning. We look forward to the show December 28th and then your big birthday party, New Year's Eve, the big 7-5. Thank you yes. for this and uh, safe travels uh, wherever you're on your way to uh, between now and then. Thanks again. Well, thanks very much. and I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that week in my hometown. Thanks so much for having me. Burton Cummings joining us live on 680 CJOB playing the Burton Cummings Theatre December 28th up close and unplugged and Burton's birthday bash December 31st and you can win tickets for that show this afternoon with Rich and Julie on the news between 3 and 6.